Hey, what's going on everyone? Sorry for running a little late. Uh, okay, cool. So we got the earphones going. Let's see here. All right. So I'll wait a little bit for people to jump in. And we'll go from there. On, good to see you. Um, hopefully my earphones work. I accidentally threw them in the laundry yesterday. Lewis, good to see you. Hope all is well. Hey, let me know. Uh, let me know what you guys got planned for the weekend. Uh, hope all is well, guys. Can you let me know, is the sound working? Does it seem like it's picking up or does it sound like I'm kind of a bit far away? I accidentally threw these in the laundry yesterday and honestly, I don't know if they're working or not. Bob, what is going on? Wilson, good to see you. So we got a few other people jumped in. So I'm going to wait a little bit. You guys, I'm drinking some tea. I, I'm stepping away from coffee for a bit. Uh, sounds good. Okay, Lewis. Thank you. Okay, cool. Uh, Alexo, let me know if I pronounced your name right. Um, anyways, you guys know I'm always, uh, traditionally Arslan. Good to see you. Uh, Johnny, good to see you guys. You guys know I'm traditionally usually drinking coffee, right? Organic coffee from glass. I'm trying to step away from coffee, um, simply to force myself to optimize my recovery. So I went back to drinking green tea in the mornings and I just wanted to share this company with you guys, uh, Rishi, Rishi Botanicals. So I get this at natural grocers or Whole Foods. I'm pretty sure you can probably get it at Sprouts online for sure. And more of the kind of like organically themed stores. I usually, I usually get the Sencha green tea. Uh, Jasmine green tea is just what they happen to have. And it's, and it's always USDA organic certified. That's what they, uh, that's just what they have. But I usually get Sencha green tea or matcha tea. And um, once again, the reason for that is there's nothing wrong with coffee if you're optimizing your recovery. Uh, but I just noticed from time to time, if I just skip my coffee, I felt a little tired or sluggish. So I really had to think along the lines of like, what am I doing to kind of like feel a little bit more fatigued? And for me, it just came with uh, program design. It's kind of like training a little bit more than I should have. And then also not being um, uh, diligent with doing midday naps every day. I was just doing them on uh, days when I was working out. Basically, right after my workout, I would take a midday nap, uh, but not two days out of the week when I wouldn't work out. Uh, so, okay, cool. Alexa, thank you. Uh, I'm not the best with names. Uh, so what I found was, um, once I started doing midday naps every day, Eric, good to see you, Stefan, good to see you. Once I started doing midday naps every day, um, then those energy fatigues came around, but you don't want to be, uh, running in an energy deficit and coffee will sometimes mask that energy deficit because they'll make you seem like you're not tired, but you are actually really tired. So one thing some of you can do is just stop drinking coffee for like two or three weeks. And if you feel super exhausted and fatigued, you kind of have your answer. Uh, then you would need to be thinking of like, how could I optimize my sleep, my work schedule? Um, you know, maybe include those midday naps. How could I optimize? Like for me, I just had to uh, die back the volume on my workouts just a little bit. And everyone is going to be different. But the point is, um, if your body's tired, it's definitely your body's way of telling you you need to rest. Not to, uh, it's not your body's way of telling you you need like an energy drink or, or more coffee and then just kind of grind it out. 
And in my opinion, it's just a really great anti-aging strategy because if you're running in that uh, energy deficit all the time and masking it with stimulants, so your mind kind of thinks it's more energetic than it actually is, or your central nervous system rather, um, then that can kind of run you into the ground pretty quickly and give you chronic fatigue issues and then also possibly mess up your sleep, mess up your sex drive, for sure mess up your recovery from your workouts. So the muscle retention just won't be as good. And sometimes you notice that, especially in your, you know, after 35, for example, uh, muscle tends to waste away faster. So you want to double down on good uh, recovery strategies. Uh, and optimizing that recovery is going to be key for keeping your not only your testosterone high, your overall hormonal balance well, and your health well. Uh, also a great anti-aging strategy, uh, but also keeping that muscle density on your frame too, which looks nice. And it's honestly one of the best anti-aging practices to have a muscular physique into older age. Because once again, one of the main things that kind of gets people to look very old very quickly is they go into their 40s or 50s with very little muscle mass and usually a fairly high body fat percentage and then they end up um, just losing the very little bit they have not all of it i'm kind of exaggerating here but losing a decent amount of muscle due to age and the accumulation of poor lifestyle and nutritional habits and then they kind of start looking very like droopy and um and saggy, you know, and kind of depleted, kind of like a shriveled prune, you know, that kind of classic old, old look. So one thing I would definitely recommend if it's uh, of interest of you to kind of look youthful into older age is simply try to put on as much muscle as possible before you hit your 50s. Uh, and that way you can kind of maintain it throughout your 50s and probably maintain it fairly well throughout your 60s. And then, of course, you know, you hit 70, you got to be realistic. There'll be a small uh, gradual decline for sure, but you're starting at a, at a very high point. You know what I mean? And it kind of will start descending instead of starting here. And then you have basically nowhere to go uh, because your muscle has already pretty much wasted away and stuff of that sort. So let me get a sip of this coffee here and then we'll rock and roll. Also, you guys, if you guys have any questions, I do these lives for you guys. Just shoot them my way and I'll try my best to answer it. If it's kind of like a complicated question that requires a lot of elaboration, I could always do it on my next live so you guys can give me good ideas. Uh, because usually I get these ideas uh, for lives from clients that are struggling with similar issues. Uh, like today we'll be talking about um, how your choice in friends, family members, uh, your romantic partnerships, your coworkers, etc., etc., determine the likelihood of you staying actually healthy and you keeping that excess weight off of your body because that's gonna that's gonna be a huge impact what do you add to your tea i don't add anything to my tea it's just straight up today is organic jasmine green tea for those guys that jumped in here's the company i was recommending that i use personally and um i don't get any kickbacks from that from the company i just like the company and uh you can get it at whole foods or online and stuff of that sort so Give me a sec, guys. Anyway, but that's my story about coffee. Once again, nothing wrong with coffee in and of itself, but I do feel a lot of people misuse it to mask um, chronic fatigue issues. So, all right, you guys. So today we'll be covering um, one strategy of how to create lasting or one variable to look into in terms of how to create lasting fat loss, right? 
or the complete resolution of any health issues. Because especially with fat loss programs, the only fat loss program that works is one where you do not have to do another fat loss program ever again. That's so important to realize. Uh, so if you catch yourself, you know, like losing weight, gaining weight, losing weight, gaining, gaining it back, et cetera, et cetera, it could just be you're not following the principles of the, of the whatever program or path you've decided to go on. Um, but it could also be there are a lot of other missing variables that you didn't focus on on your journey. So the most common one when people tackle excess weight gain uh, or various aesthetic challenges or even health challenges like very uh, common high blood pressure, for example, depression, anxiety, uh, high cholesterol, um, sleepless nights, you know, uh, sexual dysfunction, gut issues, etc., etc. A lot of times uh, people really just tackle the bulk majority of those issues. In particular, let's just make the conversation a little bit easier today, more relevant to this group. Uh, in particular, with excess weight gain, they always think like, oh, all you got to do is just eat better and work out more. And that couldn't be further for them truth. And if you look at uh, relapse rate with various uh, fat loss programs, with pretty much all fat loss programs, you'll see in a two to three year period, uh, the relapse rate is quite high. 90% and I would argue within like a five or 10 year period, it's probably close to 100% from the model of uh, I just got to change my diet and I just got uh, to work out more or be on some type of workout program or change my workout somehow. And it, it rarely, no absolutes, there are some cases like that, but it rarely is the case where all the person needs is just more uh, nutrition, is just better nutrition education and also better uh exercise education, for example. For sure, those are important. I'm not downplaying them. They are very important. Uh, but for a lot of people, you have to meet the problem at the level of the problem. And their problem isn't oftentimes on not knowing what to eat or not knowing how to exercise because they most likely actually lost weight in the past successfully. They could have probably did it more productively on a better program or understanding nutrition protocols better in relation to fat loss. And stuff of like stuff of that for sure, but uh, that is not the challenge. And one of the challenges that should be considered in a fat loss journey, if you want to create a complete resolution of your symptom, is uh, what friends, family, and coworkers you constantly hang out with. Uh, because one of the big variables that I've seen with uh, coaching people now for 17 years, going on 18 years on coaching people on aesthetic challenges getting people healthy enough to not have to be on various medical drugs such as high blood pressure and statins, uh, et cetera, et cetera, is it's pretty easy to get a person to, to change, actually dramatically, within a four to six month period. You can probably erase like 10 years of damage in a four to six month period on a really good uh, holistic training protocol, you know, that takes, that considers the person as a whole instead of like individual parts. But the problem is, is what I notice is usually if people stay in the same environments where the fat gain accumulated or the health issue was uh, started, whatever, digestive issues or um, high blood pressure, or high cholesterol, whatever, if they stayed in that environment, uh, even with good coaching, most likely they will actually be successful and get rid of those symptoms. But if they continue to stay in that environment after the program, is done, uh, the chances of relapse and those health symptoms coming back is actually quite high uh, from my observation, okay? So quite high. So 
there's something definitely in that environment. And for sure, there's an internal environment to consider from the individual and then their interaction with the external environment. But there's definitely something in that external environment that is leading to that person's health issues like misery, obesity, uh, medical drug dependence, whatever, you name it, excess weight gain, various aesthetic challenges, various skin issues. And I've noticed people that have been successful with, for example, keeping their weight off, oftentimes uh, while doing that journey, they either transition out of their occupation altogether or uh, change states or change relationships. There's some kind of dramatic change in their environment and there are no absolutes and there are a lot of intricate details here, but if a person continues to stay in the environment where the health problems or the excess weight started, or originated, uh, the chances of them relapsing is quite high, right? And another good example in an extreme one is just think about it this way. You have a person that finished a drug rehab center and they go back to the exact uh, environment and community where uh, all their druggy friends are at and all their, you know, that drug dealers at. And then most likely because they've been in that rehab center for quite a while, they don't have a job. So now there's like another huge obstacle uh, there might be self-esteem, quite a bit of self-esteem issues or feeling lost without a purpose, etc. And you don't need to be obviously a PhD in psychology to understand that uh, if a person has a former drug habit or drug addiction and they go and start hanging out with people with a bunch of drugs, um, then they're going to go back to using drugs. It's obvious, you know, most likely. No absolutes, but there's probably a 98% chance that for sure it's going to happen. And it's the same thing with, with weight gain, ironically. So, so let's go down the list because a lot of times um, that could be one of the bigger challenges of what could lead you to relapse in your weight gain. Tim is in the house. What is going on, Tim? Steven, good to see you. Eben is good, uh, good to see you as well. Joining all the way from South Africa. Always good to see you on these lives. Uh, so whenever you're pursuing a health journey, for sure, you have to concentrate. You have to get on a good nutrition protocol. You have to get in a good exercise protocol. Uh, you have to learn about, you know, proper central nervous system management, gut health, uh, sleeping cycles, how to optimize your sleep, uh, optimize your recovery in various ways, et cetera, et cetera. But you also have to take into consideration, like, who am I hanging out with? And who am I spending most of my time with? And because you're going to be basically overall the accumulation of about like the five people you hang out most with. So if, if the five people you're hanging out most with are, are overweight, constantly going out and eating or drinking, for example, um, on medical drugs, then most likely this will be you as well. There are some ways to kind of shield yourself from this. And I'm going to cover that uh, towards the end of the live, but that is a big part to consider. So let's go down the list in terms of all of the people you surround yourself with and how they could uh, impact you relapsing. Let's presume we have a person that has lost their weight and we'll give some examples of a person that's in path of losing their weight and how, uh, depending on who they hang out with, can sabotage them and set them back or get them to relapse. So first and foremost, we'll cover, I have my little list here. Let's see. So first and foremost, we'll cover coworkers, right? Most people work uh, 40 to 50 hours or more per week. So obviously 
the people you hang out with at work are going to be the people you spend the most time with, most likely. No absolutes, but that's most likely the case for everyone. Uh, so think about it, like eight to 10 hours a day, and you're hanging out with a lot of these people, et cetera, et cetera. And it varies from uh, field to field. But for example, like I have um, a history of doing corporate health lectures. And the, the issue is with corporate work, just because of the way it's structured and stuff of that sort with the bureaucracy and the politics and, and, the, and the pyramid kind of style of promotion in those environments. Um, and the reason a lot of people get into those kind of occupations are usually um, kind of like fear-based, for example, not everyone, but a lot of people. And uh, just, it's very rare to find a very healthy individual. It's actually, it's, a, it's actually a, a part of the culture, which I find has like tremendously normalized pathology in every single possible way. And especially taking into consideration that nine out of 10 Americans right now are metabolically sick. So it's easy to presume uh, and kind of overlap that nine out of 10 people in corporate offices are also metabolically sick, right? And if you're around these people tw uh, like eight to 10 hours a day, parts of, uh, parts of their behaviors and choices are going to leak out on you as well and kind of affect you as well. So that's something to consider, okay? Because if they're, if, if they're not consciously aware that, um, you know, going out and drinking and eating at a restaurant uh, for lunch every single day almost or for fast food or whatever is bad for them and you kind of want a promotion or something like that and you know you have to like mingle with these people you're very inclined to do that as well and it's going to be really hard to keep eating out consistently and have like a great looking physique and um, or maybe save money because it is very expensive to eat out constantly as well like the average American spends eight to sixteen thousand dollars every single year on um, non-essential expenses like eating out, travel, subscription services, all that stuff. And um, that money can for sure be way better spent on organic food or, or doing health courses, uh, especially if you are overweight and are on a bunch of medical drugs. Uh, that should be your priority to lose the weight and get healthy enough to not have to be on all those medical drugs because it's not normal at all. It's very common in our culture, unfortunately, especially in the US, but it's not normal at all. And it's not helping you in absolutely any way to keep staying that way. And especially keep funding your own pathology with spending eight to 16,000 a year on, um, you know, like eating out, which is kind of fueling your, your obesity and a lot of inflammation in your body, which is making a lot of health issues worse. Or even like traveling, they're like, well, you know, uh, I travel and it gets my mind of stuff. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like you travel and you just spent like $3,000 on a trip, let's say to Europe for like two weeks. And then uh, two weeks later, you're back to the same exact environment that uh, led you to your obesity, misery and disease. And uh, quickly two or three weeks into that work because of the deadlines and the fast pace of corporate work, you already forgot about the sugar highs of your trip. And once again, enmeshed in that cesspool and swamp of uh, pathology, which has led, which has been one of the variables that has led for sure to the person's obesity, misery, and disease. Of course, there is the aspect of a belief system of that person that first led them into that environment that needs to be addressed and led them into that environment and it, uh, made it acceptable in one form or another. So usually a person what happens is they get into these environments 
Uh, they know at the end of the day, it's not like probably something they want to be doing, but they start kind of creating like stories and lies around how to justify it, to create some kind of cognitive dissonance. Uh, because finding a solution for how to get out of that environment and possibly make a living in a more sustainable way is too difficult and stressful. So instead of doing that, once again, they create these kind of elaborate lies and stories and they believe in those lies and stories. And after many, many years or decades, they even kind of lose track of what's a lie and what's not a lie. And it's, it's, uh, especially when they get in habits of turning, uh, kind of reframing the negative into the positive. So they're like, oh, you know, this uh, job XYZ or this coworker that's annoying XYZ is, um, uh, they're annoying and they're pissing me off, but you know, I get this and that, and you know, I'll focus on the positive. That reframing, you know, the negative into the positive, you got to be extremely careful when doing that because it could keep, it, it most likely is for a lot of people keeping them stuck in lifestyle paths that are not serving them in any possible way. Maybe uh, at one point they did have a good, um, you know, utility to it, but the person outgrew it or kind of wants something different in their life. But for example, they continued to like, oh, you know, I wore these same socks when I was a kid. And they fit perfectly. And maybe they did fit perfectly when you're a kid and they're cool and look nice. But now you're trying to wear those same socks when you're an adult and the socks are already worn out. They're way too small for your foot. And you're like, oh, why, why is it not working? Uh, I'm going to create like stories around to try to keep, keep it working, et cetera, et cetera. So the point being is you're spending a lot of time with your coworkers. So if they're all very unhealthy, if next time you go you guys go to a corporate office you don't even have to take my word for it just kind of look around and you'll see everyone most everyone not everyone but most everyone there looks many many years older than they actually are and they usually have this kind of like very um you know rushed look to their face i can't quite describe it here and also probably a lot of them most likely about 33% of them are on psych some kind of psychiatric medication, probably 80% of them are on some kind of medical drug. Uh, healthy people don't need these drugs. So obviously if they're taking these drugs, uh, they're not doing well. It's not that they're bad people. Some of them for sure are probably not that great people, but most of them are actually good people, but that have just lost their way in this kind of industrial uh, fast-paced world of trying to keep up, etc., in an unsustainable way. Uh, it happens, especially if you don't have good role models or like our topic is discussing here, a comprehensive, good, healthy, uh, mentally and physically healthy group of friends that you can kind of mirror off of and stuff of that sort. That's so important in a fat loss journey. So, so important uh, because I guarantee you if, if uh, let's say you're, you're five friends, you hang out with 100% of the time, if they're like super ripped and super mentally healthy and, you know, eating biodynamic food and, and drinking only filtered water and, and not really eating out and drinking alcohol and stuff. You'll be the same way. You'll be ripped and also not on medical drugs and uh, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. So obviously there is an internal environment variable to consider. We covered that on various other, pod other podcasts. We're covering more of the external on, uh, on this live today. So yeah, choose your, choose your coworkers, uh, very wisely. And for example, if you can't get out of your current work environment, uh, what 
I would recommend what I would do and try to do if it's your style. So first and foremost, this is up to you if you want this in your life, is if you can, try your best to work remotely. This will create some kind of distance from that normalized pathology and give you some more time to reflect and not constantly have to blend in like a chameleon in an environment that has normalized pathology in every way. And I 100% guarantee you, in those corporate environments, 9 out of 10 of your coworkers are very uh, mentally and physically sick. Not bad people, don't get me wrong, but they're just, they once again are living a life unsustainably and not balanced. And just being around that all the time will have an impact on your psyche as well. Uh, Jonathan, good to see you. Marcus is good to see you as well. Leonardo or Leonard, Leonard, Leonardo. Let me know if I pronounce your name wrong. Sorry, guys. Bill, Tim, what is up? Give me a second, guys. So try your best to work remotely. I think that's a huge step forward. That's great for most people. And if you feel like, you know, you like the entrepreneurial lifestyle, uh, give that a try as well. Uh, as, as well, because one cool thing about working for yourself, although it's not easy either, don't get me wrong, is you can create a lifestyle for yourself that's perfect for you, where if you work, especially for a very big company, oftentimes, the co not oftentimes, pretty much every time the company is hiring you to fit into their systems, into their core values. There's nothing wrong with that, but it's just that that is your purpose you have to mold around their needs and demands and that's going to be tough to express your individual self right uh sometimes people are like well i enjoy my uh, field let's say engineering okay cool so that's a great step in the right direction because most people don't even enjoy their field altogether so your next step is to get also an environment in your field that reflects and is able to allow you to express your unique self. So with the engineering example, let's say this person loves engineering, but they're working for a, I don't know, a lamp manufacturer, just random example, right? Let's say they're a mechanical engineer, but they really love working with cars. So then there's a misalignment. There's an alignment in their passion, but a misalignment in the environment. So what they would need to do is just go work for a car manufacturer instead and make sure once again, uh, they're doing projects in that manufacturer, in that company that are reflective of their core values, stuff of that sort. So uh, another thing to consider, especially with the holidays coming up, I think Thanksgiving is next week, I kind of forgot the exact date, is, let me cross this off here, is um, your family members. So this is huge, right? And I would like you guys to try this uh, when you're sitting with your family or friends across the table. So first notice that um, a large percentage of them are gonna be overweight, right? Also notice if you are with a more older crowd, like 40s, 50s, 60s, they are complaining of some type of health issue oftentimes. So like gut issues, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, they got some weird skin thing going on. Um, they just don't like how, how overweight they are and now their knees are hurting or ankles are hurting or whatever uh, and stuff of that sort. And they'll talk to you about these health issues while also encouraging you to eat the food, which is one of the major contributors of all their health issues, their poor choices in food, right? 
And that's how under the table a normalized pathology has become in our culture. So once again, this person is like, oh man, I feel so sick. Uh, you know, I, I don't like how overweight I am, but here is this food, you know what I mean? And in their, uh, and in their mind, they're like, well, I just do this during the holidays. It's not true. Uh, you don't only eat poorly during the holidays and become overweight. You eat poorly all year round. You just eat more, more poorly during the holidays. That's actually the reality of the situation. And once you accept that and start being truthful with yourself, you start looking for honest solutions. Until then, it's just, a, it's just a, an elaborate game of self-deception. That's it. And it's not going to serve you anyway. You'll just become more obese, miserable, and dependent on medical drugs as the years go on. And that's it. That's it. That's your only future if you keep doing that. So you'll notice that once again, the people at the table, they're like, oh yeah, these health issues, that health issue, like here, have this food, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And just observe that, you know, and I'm like, oh, well, it's interesting that one of the biggest variables is just poor nutritional choices over a long period of time that are leading to all these health issues in them that they don't like, but then they're telling you to do the same exact thing. It's very interesting. Um, so that's one thing to consider is family members. And also it could be a little bit controversial, but remember that you never got to pick your family, you know? So there's a little bit of flexibility on whether you want to stay committed to family member XYZ or whatever, uh, because it wasn't your choice to be born into that family to begin with. So is there, if there's a huge disconnect in core values, between like you want to be like extremely healthy and live this kind of lifestyle, but everyone uh, in that family unit is on medical drugs and very overweight, that, that's a huge discrepancy. That's a huge story gap that you would need to take into consideration and stuff of that sort. So um, family. Another thing is your partner, which kind of your romantic partner for those that, that have one. Uh, and this is huge uh, because there will be conflict if, like, say you have two people that are overweight and one of them decides to become healthy, but the other does not. Uh, it's interesting. The thing I've observed over 17 years is usually the person that decides to stay overweight. Remember, it's their decision. It's not their hormones or their thyroid or anything. It's just they are doing it to themselves and have over the years normalized a life of pathology. Uh, but let's say you have one of the partners that decided to lose weight and become healthy. Uh, what happens, there are no absolutes for sure, but what happens sometimes is you'll see the other partner start sabotaging the person that's losing weight because the person that's losing weight is constantly reflecting and reminding them of their own inability to change, right? And they don't like that. Or they think the person is going to lose their attraction to them eventually and break up with them or a myriad of other issues. And typically they have kind of unique sabotaging strategies to get their partner to stay overweight as well because they are reluctant to change themselves and face the shadow side of what led to all that weight gain, which is usually a life of misery and, and stuff of that sort. So they'll say things like, let's say the person starts losing weight and looking thinner. They're like, oh, now you look too thin, you know, like stop losing weight. I'm kind of like worried about you or stuff of that sort, you know? But it's interesting how they weren't worried about the person when they're like obese. But now they're getting worried when they're losing weight. Very interesting, right? Um, and they'll, 
just one example. This, there, there are a myriad of ways the person can kind of sabotage the other partner by bringing food home, uh, eating the wrong food in front of the person, et cetera, et cetera. But just know that this is just because they're reluctant to change and start living a more balanced and health-conscious lifestyle. And it's scary for them, right? Uh, and stuff of that sort. So who you pick as your partner is huge. If you're in the dating scene, that is so important because if you want to be health conscious and your partner wants to go out and drink on the weekends um, or wants to go out and eat often, you know, and stuff of that sort, it's just, it's most likely not going to work out and just cause you a lot of stress and you guys will break up eventually anyways, right? So those core values have to be super aligned and um, that's just the way, that's just the way it has to be. There are no ifs or buts about it. So be careful with, um, you know, who your coworkers are. That's going to have an impact on your chances of relapse in terms of regaining your weight. Be careful of who your family members are as well, because that could be a contributing factor to your weight, re gaining, regaining your weight. Your partner as well is huge. Uh, if both of you are overweight and one decides to change, but the other does not, that's going to cause conflict. One, almost 100% guaranteed. Um, and also your friends are huge too. So if you have friends that are, once again, drinking on the weekends, they want to drink on the weekends and um, go out often and go to lounges or go to clubs and stay out late at night, uh, but you got to get up early to work out in the morning before work and stuff of that sort, obviously, you know, it's not going to, it's not going to work out. And if you continue to hang out with them, you'll get into their, their, their habits as well. So you'll start drinking and you'll start eating out more and um, then you'll kind of lose your way. Okay. So who you decide to hang out with in terms of your friends is huge as well. So take that in consideration too. If your closest friends are overweight and you've had trouble, especially with weight in the past, uh, the chances of you regaining your weight then is, is going to be fairly high. Okay. Because you are the sum total of the people you hang out with most and uh, in their core values. So all right. And um, another thing to consider is also, you know, your social media, whoever you're following on social media. Uh, I would recommend just pretty much, if you can, delete social media and only have it on your laptop or desktop, but not on your actual phone. Yeah, but who you follow is going to be very important as well, because even if you uh, like are health conscious, for example, but follow someone that's all steroided out, uh, drugged out basically, then most likely you will be inclined to see that as acceptable versus following someone that's, that's natural and, uh, healthy, et cetera, et cetera. And the same thing with whoever else, you know, if, if whoever you're following is eating out often, uh, going to bars often, et cetera, et cetera, most likely you will start seeing these behaviors as acceptable also. So that's something to consider too. And, um, so all of those are external variables that need to be taken in consideration when you want to decrease your chances of relapse with weight gain, right? Because remember, if you approach it just from thinking you have to just change your nutrition and just work out more, the chances you might actually be able to successfully lose weight, but the chances of you regaining it is extremely, extremely high, extremely high. I would say like 90% in a two to three year period and five to 10 year follow-up, it's almost 100%. So um, 
I did a presentation this year at the Four Corners Festival. You can find that presentation on my website. You can probably type in and Google Four Corners Festival, Eugene Trufkin, or something like that. And I broke down a pretty detailed etiology tree of excess weight gain, medical drug dependence, and disease. You can check it out. That way you have a clear model of what you would need to focus on to increase your chances of not relapsing with weight gain issues. But one of the main things to take into consideration, these are all external variables, obviously, but you have to take into consideration internal variables and look at yourself too, right? So in order to know which friends to get around, which partners to get in romantic relationships with, uh, which coworkers to hang out with, which jobs to get into, et cetera, et cetera, you yourself have to be very clear on your core values. And without that, you're just kind of like um, a floating leaf in the wind, right? You just go with wherever social pressure kind of takes you. But your core values act as a blueprint of where you should be going or shouldn't be going. Is it taking you further away from what you want or getting closer to what you want? So your core values are up to you. They're so individual and you can't look over your shoulder at what other people's core values are and determine that you need to be uh, reflective of those core values as well. That's kind of how you get further away from yourself. One of the easiest ways, if you don't know how to identify your core values, is simply find out what you don't like first. And ironically, um, you have to find out what doesn't work for you first before you find out what does work, right? That's just the trial and error of life. But you have to have that intuition as well. So if you get in a relationship and it doesn't work out for one reason or another, it's not a bad thing. It's hurtful in the moment for sure. But thank that relationship for showing you what you don't want in your future path. Or, you know, you go out and, and drink on the weekends and you notice you can't work out as well all week. And that doesn't quite fit with your core value of wanting an attractive physique. Okay. Like, that's fine. Just write that down. Like, drinking is not facilitating or not reflective of my core values. And then you need to take action. Because a lot of things in health and wellness, what a lot of people get confused on is uh, a lot of things with anything health-related, the majority of it is very easy to understand intellectually. But that does nothing. You're not uh, a teacher or an academic you need to actually apply these principles pretty much all the time because the human body depreciates so quickly. If you don't have some consistent systems in place, um, you're just going to, you know, train for a few weeks or a few months and then fall off the bandwagon, train for a few weeks or a few months and fall off the bandwagon. And obviously not being clear about your core values and getting around the wrong friends that aren't reflective of that and coworkers, et cetera, is going to, make you fall off the bandwagon way more often, way more often. So it is so important to take those variables into consideration. And it's always so important to always start with yourself because it's tough to change the external world, but it's easy to change yourself and be the change you want to see. So maybe also as you become healthy and attractive and you know, all of a sudden you don't have to take your high blood pressure medication. Your friends are going to see that. And everyone wants to be happy at the end of the day. As Aristotle would say, that's the only unconditional 
need that everyone wants for the sake of wanting it, just to be happy, right? There are different paths of how to get there. Everyone's going to be different, of course. But at the end of the day, everyone wants to be like happy and preferably healthy because you have to be healthy to be happy. Uh, like when you had the flu, I don't care how positive you are, you're just not going to be that happy or, or broke your knee or something like that or have digestive issues and stuff of that sort. So it always starts with you. But your external environment is going to be an important variable, too. So I hope that helps, guys. Anthony, good to see you. And um, have a good weekend, okay? Good to see everyone here. Take care.